Franchises, right? This the team up here. They're the ones letting people go and retooling and talking about it next year. I mean, they they don't people up here don't even feel hope that they're gonna have a good season. And uh, here I am, a Rams fan, loving life. Every week there's news happening, so it kind of it didn't feel you know like, it didn't feel like the slog it's been in, in in past years because we've had hope, we've got hope, and hope springs eternal, and y'all feel good, and even. That little break between minicamp and now, it didn't even it didn't feel terrible because you know they're extending really guys right and left, and there's all Rams news here, and it's it's all good. Kumbaya. Starts. I wonder tomorrow. if it's just I wonder if it's just not sucking anymore. Made it go by faster because it really did feel like it went by faster. But so we're going to talk a little bit about babies, yeah, no, but we don't. Yeah, we don't have, we don't have any babies. Joey's got a baby. Congrats to Joey again. Uh, we don't have any babies. Any anything we got to cover summer wise? Now that we're across the football void, any non football stuff that we need to even talk about. Myson, Rob, anything going on in your lives that's affecting your fandom as Rams fans? As we get started to start uh, yes. Oh, that was a definitive yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a, definitely a definitive yes. As I found out this summer, early this summer, and yes, this affects my Ramblehood, don't argue. <laughs> oh, 
I found out this summer that bats like where it's warm. They like the warmth. Okay? So I had a hell of a Sunday like six weeks ago, and it was like 102 degrees out, 103 degrees out, something like that. And I wake up that morning, my AC was broke. (laughs) It just broke overnight. And it's Sunday. I can't get anyone out till Wednesday, so my house is cooking. I'm going all day. I come this back is just home. a classic Meissen story. Every Meissen story sets up with something breaks, it's hot as shit, and you can't get anybody to fix it. Every single story sets up this way. Great. <laughs> this is true. Happened with my refrigerator and my laptop. Now that I think about it, you're right. <laughs> but but this one, it, it, this one I have, uh, I recorded it, so it's funny because I got all this old footage. So... <laughs> I uh I leave, I leave I'm going all day I come back home just to pack a bag and to go stay at a friend's house because my house is like legit cooking it's like 90 degrees in there I get home and I realize my tire is like completely flat <laughs> I don't have a spare on me it's like 10 o'clock at night so I can't see anything to change the tire anyway so I'm like great I'm screwed I guess I'll be staying here in this hot ass house so so the house is cooking so I'm walking around the house naked because who's gonna wear clothes in the night of the house right. <laughs> Oh, the story gets better. <laughs> so I'm on the first floor because, you know, heat rises, so upstairs is, like, really cooking. And so I'm on the first floor. I can't sleep. It's, like, 1230 at night. I go to the bathroom on the first floor, and all the lights on the first floor is off, so it's just the bathroom light. As I'm walking out of the bathroom, I open the door, and this fucking bat <laughs> just came flying past my face. <laughs> And I swung and, like, brazed it and pissed it off, and it tried to attack me. So I locked myself in the bathroom. The bathroom is in the middle of the house, so there's no windows. It's cooking in the bathroom. I'm in there sweating like a slave, (laughs) naked, (laughs) with no phone and no way to get out because this bat is flying around outside my bathroom door. (laughs) So... You just can't, like, can't make this stuff up. <laughs> you couldn't arm yourself with like a toilet brush or a toilet seat lid or something. Yeah. No, this was a big ass bat. Could be some battle. <laughs> Man, it was huge. I was like, "What the hell is this?" So the bat flies around for a while. I'm locked in the bathroom for like 40 minutes. I peek out the bathroom door. And I don't see the bat. So I spread out, grab my phone, grab my gym bag, and run back in the bathroom. I'm thinking I got some clothes in my gym bag. I had nothing in there but a shirt. And like my football girl, <laughs> so that's what I put on, and then I run out the house in that. <laughs> so I'm walking around looking like I'm about to get the police called on me, <laughs> and I call the police. They to get the animal patrol. Animal patrol only wait, 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 call the police. <laughs> it's one in the morning, so they only have one person. Why didn't you call animal patrol? What are you doing? That's what I did. I called police to get the number for animal patrol. They had to send somebody out. And there was only one guy on duty, and he was wrestling a 110-pound dog, so it took him an hour to get <laughs> Again, I started recording and got all this old footage. <laughs> so I'm standing outside my house waiting for this guy for an hour. He gets here. We go in the house searching for this bat, can't find it. Then we finally figure out it came down the damn chimney, got into my house that way, and he's just chilling out, hanging upside down by my chimney. And so the guy kicks me out the house. He's like, this could get ugly. Swear, that's what he told me. It was like a <laughs> He tells me you might want to wait outside. This could get ugly. And I go outside, and next you know, I just see flashlights flying all around this dark house through my window. And then he comes outside, 
he put the bat in a quick trip cup. <laughs> and he walks outside shaking the cup like, yeah, I think I pissed him off. <laughs> and I was like, you country <laughs> son of a <laughs> And he, I'm like, I have no clue how I got in there. He's like, well, you know, they're part of the mouse family. They found a little hole in your chimney, and they'll squeeze through, and they'll come down, and it's nice and hot in your house. He's like, yeah, seriously, why is it so hot in your house? I'm like, dude, really? <laughs> and then he, he tried to give me tips on how to catch bats like I was actually going to do that ever in my life. So, yeah, interesting night that was. Three in no, the morning was before I went to sleep. That was good. <laughs> Top four points of that story. Number one, you were naked for no reason. Number three, you have a Santa yeah. Claus bat that enters your house from the chimney. Number two, yes. Uh, uh, that that definitely there's somebody who there's somebody right now who's like bat in a quincher cup that my grandma's favorite recipe like somebody's got <laughs> like it, it was like uh one of those recipes they were doing on the ram site remember they were doing that for like a month where they were Micro- they turned, microwave eggs yeah yeah they dude, I'm, I'm gonna put the video I'm gonna put the video in our chat so you can see this dude shaking you know. this bat in the cup like it's normal. you got to we'll put uh, I'll add it to the post on the site. But definitely bat in a quick trip cup is definitely a recipe that exists somewhere in eastern Tennessee. But number one is I do like the idea of Mycin as the new Batman reboot going around St. Louis just giving people like bad Rams takes in the middle of the night. This this city won't be safe until they understand the the value of the running back. Right. The Rams have yet to re-sign Aaron Donald. This is a tragedy. <laughs> Society is too precious to allow <laughs> penetration into our backfield. <laughs> I the can't reason this is affected by Ramwood is because it's hard to cheer on the Rams when you're running around butt naked in 95-degree houses from a bat. <laughs> now I'm just open. worried that you're going to be podcasting naked. What were you going to say, Robin? Oh, I, I can't <laughs> compare with no bat stories. I mean, shit. Where, where do I go from there? Uh, I got nothing. Traffic. Everything's fine in Seattle. I got traffic, but how do you I'm deal with traffic? For, for people that don't know, Robbo dealt with traffic. Two-hour commute from work to get home tonight. How do you deal with traffic like that? This, this is obviously going to hit our Los Angeles contingency right in the heart. This is the content they need. How do you deal with traffic, Robbo? Uh, typically, I uh, I'm a big like book on tape, Audible listener. Mm-hmm. So I because I take. I take mass transit all the time, so I listen to that usually. But so today I drove. I think I'm going to, I'm going to training camp tomorrow. I'm going to sneak out earlier today or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, none of that played right. Uh, I didn't get to sneak out early. So I was listening to a book on tape. I'm like, all right, traffic, it is what it is. And I just try to get my little zone and you just inch along, whatever. But uh, yeah. about about an hour and 45 minutes in that two-hour commute, everybody in front of me was an asshole, and they were they were getting the mental dagger eyes. I don't I don't go like honking horns to get people's fingers, but I get I start getting agitated. <clears throat> the closer I got to home, uh, with all the you know the, the issues we had coming up the hill to my house, so uh, yeah, I I definitely get a little agitated, and everyone everyone is getting cussed out like, and nobody can nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Just in my head, it's like, come on, dumbass, find the pedal, let's go. Just cause, and the closer I get, and, the, and the more stalling and delaying tactics that are happening in front of me, the more pissed I get. But I don't go road rage. I don't. Uh, I don't flip fingers. None of that stuff. It's just mental. Just get me out of this car, kind of thing. Don't get mad at traffic. Get, hurt, get, get mad at that Joe Fisher wasted Todd Gurley. I literally just cursed the old lady out tonight on my way home. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> For real, I really did. <laughs> I, 
just never know who's going to have a gun and shoot your ass. <laughs> you always see that. You always see like that random video. Of, like I saw one the other day where you know, uh, teen mom road rage incident. She pulled a gun out of her purse and started shooting up. I don't need that shit in my life. So, uh, hey, have you ever heard? Yeah. Of, have you ever heard the story of DMX um, faking as a cop? <laughs> and he true. He pulled over a real like FBI let's, agent. Didn't do it. <laughs> let's not let's not slander the great DMX on this fine podcast. I am interested though in keeping mice and his Batman as a running theme throughout the entire year. That's going to be something yeah. I'm gonna have to. I don't get caught up with the potential of society. Get caught up with potential because it gets coaches fired. I'll do the rest of the show in this for you. <laughs> oh, damn. That's not like Barry nice White. Barry yeah. White. More like Barry Black. Okay, let's talk to the football. Um, <laughs> let's start with Todd Gurley. Uh, got the deal. Oh, got paid. Um, Levine Bell did not. Brandon Cooks did. And Donald did not. It's a four-year major extension, 57 and a half million, uh, 45 million in guarantees across the contract, though those change uh, based on whether or not the Rams try to move on at any point. It sounds like the potential out would be in 2022, um, depending on if the Rams – 2023 is completely voidable. There's no dead money then. There's 4-2 for 2022, anything before that would probably be too expensive. Somewhat similar to what uh, Brandon Cooks did. Now, Brandon Cooks was a five-year extension compared to Gurley's, but it keeps them both ran through 2023. Um, 8-2 for uh, Brandon Cooks in 2022 and 3-4 in 2023. So it's a little bit easier to move on from Todd Gurley. But as a running back, you would expect that. Bison, you you get the first crack at this because – as the defender, the defender of all things, running back, running backs are what makes us a civilization. You get the first crack. What do you think about the early extension? As you know, I never <laughs> thought that the Rams would be the front office that would change the trend for the rest of the league, and they did. I just didn't think it would happen this year, next year. <laughs> but, no, seriously, I uh, – I don't know. I said it last week. You know, if there's if there's a front office that's going to do it, it would be the Rams because it's what the league don't want, and the Rams be the ones who uh, I don't remember how I put it, but it was silly enough, stupid enough, something like that. They they're going to be the ones to do it. They're going to mess it up for the rest yeah. of the league. Good for the players, though. You know, I'm always siding with the players, sure. uh, especially the running backs. It was about time that they got some money in their pocket. It was about time they got paid, man. They were definitely getting the short end of the stick and. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see that they that they did this because they have literally forced the hand of everyone else in the league. Le'Veon's yeah. going to get paid now. So David Johnson and Zeke, those guys are all going to get paid now. You know, so it, it's, it definitely was a joyous day for running backs. Um, I'm okay with it. The numbers look good to me. Uh, I think that whoever was going to get the first contract, whether it was uh, Le'Veon or Todd or DJ David Johnson. It was going to be something in this range, you know. And the next contract, whoever's going to be next between Le'Veon and uh, David Johnson, is probably going to be a few million more, you know, uh, as far as guarantees go. It's probably going to be like forty-six or forty-seven, forty-eight, somewhere around there. Uh, so it, it, it was definitely a domino effect. Somebody was going to have to, you know, you know, set the trend and, you know, by changing, being that trailblazer by changing what uh, running backs were making, they were going to basically 
be the highest paid for a short period, which is probably no more than a year, and then someone else is going to step up. But that's just kind of how it works. Right. So I was happy to see Todd be the one and get it done. So I personally think they got it right. The numbers look right for what I was thinking, you know, the running back should be. My, my big thing was it wasn't necessarily $70 million or $80 million or anything like that. Total value was, I said, $50 million. It is what every position has, at least one fifty million million contract except for running back. They got that and then some. But as we all know, um, it's not so much of the total value, it's the guarantee. And the big issue with Le'Veon's deal wasn't the total value, $70 million wasn't the problem, it was the $30 million guarantee. That was kind of like a slap in the face to him. And as you saw with his tweet immediately afterwards, everyone thought he was crazy, ha or something like that. So I liked it. Rob, Rob what did you think? Yeah, I mean, Joe, were you surprised that the Rams actually did, like, sign Gurley? I wasn't. I know Myson wasn't. I don't, I'm not sure that any real – Fan of this team for any amount of time and surprised sure. the Rams after signing, you know, Tavon and guys like that. They were going to pay Gurley, Fisher or not, whatever. This front office, they were going to pay Todd Gurley because he's, you know, he's their, he's almost the face of their franchise in a way. You see him, he's probably, that's not Aaron Donald, but he's, he's, he's the guy in the commercials. He's got the Gatorade spot. He was a rookie. He had the, he had the uh, Jolly Rancher spot. He's done the Carl Jr. stuff. Um, I'm waiting for him to land some Nike stuff now. I mean, he's he's on the cusp of being that guy. And in L.A., you're going to get those kind of deals. Uh, you might not see him in St. Louis, but you're definitely probably going to see that kind of stuff in L.A. I'm not surprised the Rams said, you know what? He bounced back. He had a great year. He had yeah. an unbelievable year in the passing game. Uh, I think Sean McVay identified his key guys and said, you know what, let's get these guys. This is who I want. I don't, I'm not sure Aaron Donald is one of those guys. He might be. Uh, they all say it's the party line, whatever, but – I think I think he definitely wanted Todd Gurley as a part of his offense moving forward the next five six years, and uh, I'm not not at all surprised they did this. Um, I think on the, on the flip side of them, you know, guaranteeing him all that money and selling him to this deal, whatever, reset the RB market. They're first, so as long as he doesn't pull a Julio in a couple of years and say, "Hey, I want I want I want sure. uh, what Zeke's getting or whatever," you know, it's and all that's right. the thing, right? Yeah. Right. You just if if you're first, you set this market, and Zeke's gonna get more money, and Bell's gonna get more money next year, and David Johnson, whatever. As long as Gurley's cool with what he's assigned for, that's all good. Um, but if he pulls Julio and he's he's, he's pissed off in two years because he's no longer the highest paid, whatever, that's right. when uh, you know then you have to really wonder what's going on. But no, I think I think it's good for the Rams. I think it's good that they. I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Uh, you know, in the past, as a you know the the recent past last few years as a Rams fan. Uh, we haven't had a lot to be excited about. And this year we've had a lot to be excited about. Now we've got yeah. players who are good and they're keeping these guys as opposed to constantly turning the roster over and always looking for help on the offense. And all right, you know what? They're putting their arms around their guys. We're going to have these guys. Now we'll see if it works or not. And they get themselves in the cap hell. Um, that's going to come down the road as well. We're going to say goodbye to some players sure. we really like. That's just part of the business. Um, but I, you know, I, I think it's a good thing for this franchise that they're identifying their dudes, they're keeping them here, and we're going to be rolling with these these cats with McVay for the next uh, uh, few years. So it's it's I think it's a good move. Yeah, I, you, there's a couple things that you mentioned and some that you didn't that I think are worth pointing out. Number one is timing, right? That that the Rams didn't have to get this deal done now. He's under contract for this year and next year. They could have waited until the 2020 offseason, and even with a, a franchise tag, could have delayed it even more. But like you said, if they had done that, it would have been much more expensive for those years uh, than he would be by doing the deal now. You got Zeke, 
you got David Johnson, you got Le'Veon Bell, you got all these other guys that are going to develop into uh, well, what, what Jordan Howard's got to be coming up at some point. They're going to have a lot of running backs developing over the next two, three years that are going to look either to match that deal, exceed it as the cap continues to go up, or guys like Jarek McKinnon that are just riding the wave of a growing market and find their opportunity to get paid underneath the ceiling deals. Um, so it, it, it's smart to do it now if you're going to do it. I do um, – the right word. I don't like the fact that the, that the Rams might have to – I'm not disagreeing with you at all, bro. Might have to pay a premium for marketability, the idea that Todd Gurley can get these sponsorships because he's, you know, he's got the right personality, he's got the right looks, he's got the right <clears throat> brand for the NFL to try to exploit. But I, I don't know that I want to be the team that has to pay for that if you're, if you're overpaying for it either by a position or based on skill the way that, you know, like Gronkowski obviously is an incredible talent. Gurley's an incredible talent. But I do worry at some point you're going to get somebody that you're overpaying that, that doesn't necessarily align with talent just because of the kind of guy that makes that marketability factor work into the contract. What, what, I, what I worry about in the two things that kind of concern me is obviously you've got an immediate foil with Aaron Donald. And one of the things we've heard – often is that Aaron Donald's camp or that fans wouldn't worry until uh, other guys like Khalil Mack signed a deal because it made sense to, to let that deal set the ceiling so that Aaron Donald could get ceiling plus 5% or whatever. Well, that didn't factor in here. They didn't wait. The Rams didn't wait for another running back to set the ceiling and then make Todd Gurley the highest paid. They just gave him the deal and made it work in a way that they quite clearly haven't for Aaron Donald. So I worry, I, I know Vinny wrote that article about uh, the idea that the Rams are playing their stars. What does that mean for Aaron Donald? I, I, I take kind of the opposite position that he did where they were willing to make it work for Todd Gurley. They haven't been willing to that degree, especially if you look at how far beyond the running back market, Todd Gurley uh, reset, right? You're looking at about almost twice as much average per year, but really a 75% when you look at the growth of the guaranteed money. It's a major, major, major reset in the top of the market. Uh, that one worries me a little bit. And then just the idea of where we're looking at in terms of position values for this team moving forward. You've, you've got Jerry Goff on a rookie contract for another couple of years. You don't worry about that. But for a team that, that, that was so successful last year, offensive line contractually is a hot mess the next two years where we're paying – a new wide receiver that hasn't taken a snap. We're paying our running back. We're paying inside linebackers like Alec Ogletree and Mark Barron. We're not paying the secondary. We're not paying the defensive line. We're not paying edge rushers. It's one of those things where the moves that we've made, maybe outside of Brandon Cooks, uh, albeit you know somebody that hasn't played, don't necessarily align well with position value, but that's going to be something they're going to have to restructure over the next two, three years, and that may be more important than what they did with Gurley. But on the merits – I don't see why the Gurley deal itself is anything to get upset about. He's one of the best, if not the best, running back in the NFL. We got him locked down for the next four or five years without concern. And, uh, yeah, we should be able to ride. Well, you mentioned yeah, I think that, overpaying inside linebacker. Mark, is this Mark Barron's last year as a Ram? Uh, yeah. Well, last year nearly was. I, 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 I've definitely thrown that name out there a couple of times as a possible cut. And Michael Walker's another guy? Maybe? 
I don't I mean, think Brockers I, goes anywhere. I love Brockers. I don't think Brockers. I love Brockers. I, love, I don't think Brockers goes anywhere, Brockers goes anywhere because he he fits perfectly into <laughs> a way Philip team, you know, and uh, and he he executes his job. He does his job perfectly. I mean, you want the perfect you want the perfect example. You look at the Falcons game, the playoff game of the Rams and the Falcons when we lost last Brock, year. Yeah. As soon as he went and, out, the game was over. You look at when Brockers was right in there, the, the way they was the way yeah. Devontae Freeman stood, no chance. Like the, yeah. like the the run wasn't going, and you saw uh, Matt Ryan terrified for his life. Like when Brockers went out, all of a sudden they just, just started gashing them with the run. It was instant, you know. So you see, you see the impact that Brockers has. I say all the time, Brockers is one of those guys who doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but yeah. his impact, you know, he he's not someone you wanted on a fantasy team, but in real life, you want a Brockers on your team. You know, he's, he's, he's a man. He gets the job done. Michael Brockers you know, is a so, man. Yeah, you know he makes he makes life easier for everyone else on that line and everyone else everyone else within six yards. So if you're in that box, you he makes life easier for you. You know, so I don't think Brockers goes anywhere. Um, I do think that it is a possibility that this could be uh, Mark Barrett's last year, especially with all the young linebackers they brought in. And you know, Wade Phillips has a history of where he goes. You know, using that veteran linebacker for a year. And that first year there, bringing in a bunch of young guys whose late-round draft picks and undrafted, and then after that year of that veteran, letting those young guys that's late-round draft picks and undrafted step in and just kind of take over from there. And It's been great success to this point throughout his career. So I wouldn't be shocked that next year see Micah Kaiser and some of these other guys just step up and kind of really grab the ball by the horns at that middle linebacker position. Uh, I will say this about Aaron Donald's contract, though. If – if you mentioned earlier, you know, you don't know if uh, he's a Sean McVay guy or not, you know, trying to figure that out because of this whole situation. If the Rams are to move on from Aaron Donald, I think it would be idiotic no matter what. <laughs> if they are to move on from Aaron Donald, if you let Aaron Donald leave this organization empty-handed, and when I say empty-handed, I mean the Rams being empty-handed, everything they have done to this point in my eyes will be moot. Because there is no explanation for letting an Aaron Donald walk out the door and you get nothing in return. If you're, that's not your guy, you have to trade. Because, come on, he, you, if you just waste years trying to franchise tag him, he's 27. If you just keep tagging him, tagging him, tagging him until he's 30 and then try to trade him, you lose a little bit of value. You know, because now he's getting up there to age. No, I think but if, if you, you go with two tags and a fifth-year option and two tags and you let him walk, then you you play that, you know, compensation role. Get a second for him maybe, right? But, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, no, with I'm not even speaking well, of dollars. I'm just, meaning, I'm just meaning your leverage and trade talks. If you're to what trade an Aaron Donald, if you, if you wait too long, you lose a little bit of you lose a little bit of interest because of age, and then, you know, his value might drop a little bit. But if you do it when he's in his prime, and I'm not suggesting they should, I'm just speaking no. solely off of hypothetically if if he's not a a, a shopping day guy, if he's not who if he's not a guy you want in your system, which I think would be crazy. But if he's not, you have to trade Aaron Donald because you could have a bidding war. Sure. <laughs> no, almost every team in the league would be in on that. Every team would want some of that, and the the haul you would get back would be insane. But you, if if that's the case, you cannot let him walk. The the only problem with the bidding war now is he's a year out, and so trading trading the rights to him. I don't know how much. I mean, obviously the next team could try to tag him, but you don't you don't have that much contractual length on him. And just to update everybody, if you didn't see the story today, 
There's a story, uh, Eric Geller, who's a uh, freelance writer in the Los Angeles area, had a report that cited his sources that the Rams had offered Aaron Donald four years, $21 million a year. That would be $84 million over uh, four years, <laughs> making him the highest-paid defender in NFL history, and that Aaron Donald's agent was insulted by the offer. That was, in quotes, looking for north of $25 wait, wait, million wait. for Aaron well, Donald, which is quarterback money, not going to ha- and this is his words, this is Eric Geller's words, not going to happen, nor should it. What were you going to say, Mice? What was the guarantees? They, they didn't have that. Didn't mention. Didn't mention yeah. the guarantees. Yeah, see, I would, I would be assaulted, too, if I was Aaron Donald. But continue. Sure. <laughs> well, no, so here's the thing. The not going to happen part is what I don't understand. If you if, if the Rams are already offering 21 and you put Aaron Donald on the open market, why are we sure, certain that it wouldn't happen that somebody would sign him for $25 million? Someone will sign him for 25. I, you know, I, tell me, I, I, I think that's an automatic starting point. I find it weird that people assume that you can just get him for less than that. If there are teams out there willing to pay that every year, yeah. there are teams out there with a ton of cap space and, you know, for a couple of years ago, it was the Raiders. And then it was the 49ers. I mean, there's always a team who's just you know, reset and they have a windfall. And you can't tell me that any team that has the money to pay him would not do it. Yeah, we'll pay you, Harold. We got $87 million on the cap. Come on down. I'll give you 25 Well, the people that look at Endomic and Sue's deal and say, well, how did that work out for the Dolphins? I don't think a team is going to give a single damn about Endomic and Sue when they realize they can have Aaron Donald for $25 million a year, they're going to run. There are going to be teams that run to the table with $25 million. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you on that one. But look, I've already said Aaron Donald, ha- if you're going to get Aaron Donald, you have to be willing to, to put out 23 to $25 million a year. I, I just don't think that there's any chance that you're going to get him for less. I don't think any chance. I mean, if I'm, I'm speaking, if I'm Aaron Donald, if I am sure. Aaron Donald, and I'm as good as he is. There's no way in hell I'm taking that offer. Eighty-four million? Shit. That's <laughs> Please, uh, I'm not taking it unless it's fully that's guaranteed. Like, that's uh, it better priority be fully over again. I take that. <laughs> right? That's priority. Yeah, playing the market a little low with the quarterbacks. They did with Janoris and Truth, you know, and Rodney, and they're kind of doing that here with them. I mean, it's hard to say they're 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 playing it low at twenty-one million a year, but we everyone. I mean. I can't imagine Cleo Mack's going to take that deal. I don't no. think he would. I don't think Clowney well, might take that deal. Let's put it this way. J.J. Watt, okay, when he signed his deal, it was the total value was over $100 million. But the the guarantees, you know, J.J. Watt, Von Miller, Tom Kitsu, all those guys, signed for about $60 million guarantee, okay? If you're giving him an 80, $84 million contract, are you going to guarantee him 60 because usually they try to steer away, especially for defenders, they try to steer away from guaranteeing north of sixty percent of the contract. So I doubt if they were going to guarantee if they were going to give them sixty or if they were going to give them sixty million dollars on an eighty-four million dollar overall contract. So I don't I don't disagree with the agent being insulted. Screw that! Like there's no way you can sit here and tell me that, especially with the overall value uh, going up. You know, if this is if let, let's put it this way, if this is five years ago, that eighty-four million dollar contract would have been something like $49, $50 million. You're telling me that he could sign for that? <laughs> Hell no. I'll, I don't blame him. Be insulted. 
Tell them to kick rocks. Do not show up. Do me a favor. I, I, I want I, you guys I, I, I will say this. I will say this. I don't think that Eric Geller knows what the hell he's talking about because Arenado's people has already said that the that they are further in negotiations by a long shot at this point than they ever was last year. So talks have been going good. Sure. Uh, for this to be the report coming out, I think his sources got it all wrong. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I think they're closer to that. I don't think that's the – that might have been something they offered the first time last year because they made an offer last year. I don't think I don't think that's the, offer, the most recent offer. They're, they're, they have to be – after two years, they have to be further than $84 million. I don't give a damn what you said. Maybe maybe Eric Geller scheduled this tweet last year. He just put 2018-2017, and it just popped up. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This is dropped. <laughs> I need to do two things. So, uh, Rob, my son, Joey, in absentia, hold me to this. Listeners, hold me to this. Uh, <clears throat> I need to ask the rest of SB Nation, Elder SB Nation NFL, so we talk to each other, how much they'd be willing what? to pay for Aaron Donald. A- ask the rest of SB Nation NFL sites how much they'd be willing to pay for Aaron Donald. So, I need to go. I need to ask oh, the yeah. Cincinnati Bengals fans, how much would they pay for Aaron Donald? How, how, much do you, how much do you think Raiders fans would pay for Aaron Donald? How much would – you know, uh, Cowboys fans pay for Aaron Donald. How much would Redskins pay? That, I guarantee you the numbers get way, way, way higher than Rams fans want to deal with. And I think that's part of what maybe we're dealing with inside our bubble. I've seen a lot of people today that say, why should they pay him that much? They shouldn't pay him. No defensive tackle. Yeah. Like that. These are the same people who yesterday when Todd Gurley jumped the entire running back market, were like, yeah, way to go, Todd. We did it. We kept him. Well, now that Aaron Donald wants his bag, nobody has ever made that a defensive, a completely different situation. The other thing we need to do, uh, I was hoping Joey's going to be on, but Joey's still celebrating, and he should be. Update. Last time we talked about the Aaron Donald situation, Rob and Joey thought the Rams would be able to re-sign him. Myson and I said no. Go around the table. Robbo, where are you at? Do the Rams re-sign Aaron Donald, or do they not? We we talking this year, like in the next couple of weeks, we sign him. Oh, now we're adding time to it. Oh man, we got mitigating facts. This is becoming another layer. I still stand by. Aaron Donald is going to be a Ram. I I don't. In my, in my soul, I hope that the Rams brass and I know this is a big hope, and we they don't fuck this up. Just please don't fuck it up. <laughs> you got you got Godzilla yeah. for a couple more years. Just. The Don't fact that you even have dumb, to say right? that. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you even have. Here's the thing. This is what bothers me about the Aaron Donald situation. Pay this that is, man. And this really, 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 really bothers me. There's only one example I could think of in the last 20 years. Only one. When you're looking at the defensive side of the ball, where a guy who's considered arguably the best on that side of the ball was forced to hold out. And even his holdout did not last as long as Aaron Donald did last season. It could possibly last just as long this season. And that was Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis' holdout with the Jets lasted for all of three or four days to start off camp, and then they got him paid, got him in there. He was squared away. And I think they gave him like $81 million or something like that at, a, at the quarterback position, and this was like six years ago. So if, they, if he was to get that contract today, you just talk about the inflation of the overall dollar in the NFL market. You're talking about that's $120 million, $115 million contract for a quarter. So, yeah, he was breaking bank back then, you know. Uh, but that's the only one. Every single one of these guys, Bob Miller, Ndamukong Sue, J.J. Watt, 
all of these guys got cashed out way before Kemp. Like the teams didn't wait. They're like, it's, it's obvious that these guys are in their prime. They're the best at what they're doing, and we need to pay them. And they got it done. The Rams are the only one who's letting this thing linger, and it makes zero sense to me. It just, and that's why I say, and, and as far as me saying they won't pay him, it's not that they're never going to pay him. I'm saying they're not going to pay him this year. You know, that that's what my that's what my belief is. You know, they just they screw these things up too often. What? And so you, you look at you look at Brandon Cooks, and as I've said, I'm okay with the numbers. The numbers do not bother me. What bothers me is that you pay the guy that's never played a down for you, and you yep. got a guy that's out there kicking ass, kicking ass. Is li- He's not only the best defensive player, but a lot of people you ask who's the best player in the league, forget the side of the ball, and so many people will say Aaron Donald. There's a lot of people that aren't Rams fans that's not biased. <sighs> they will say Aaron Donald, and you're going to go pay someone that hasn't done a single damn thing for you and isn't even a top five player in his position. So I, have, I have people up here asking me what in the hell Rams are doing. What 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 in the hell are they doing paying Brandon Cooks and not Aaron Donald? Now it's people are worried. <sighs> Why are you paying Todd Gurley and you're not paying Aaron Donald? Uh, field goals didn't they tweet out? You know I would rather I would rather pay Aaron Donald twenty five million than Todd Gurley sixty million, and I don't want to pay Aaron Donald twenty five. Everyone here here in the general like NFL fandom has to agree that Aaron Donald is the guy. But this team, and what else does it say that the Rams traditionally in the last, and I'm saying like in the last eight years or so, have kind of paid their guys at the fourth year, right? Tavon got it. Robert, did Rob Quinn get it even earlier than that? Tree got it. Uh, no, Rob it. Quinn got it uh, before his fifth mm-hmm. year. Tavon got it after three. Uh, yeah. Who else got it? After? Gurley got it after yeah. three. Gurley got it after three. And then, you know, you got Aaron Donald, who's better than all those cats. Now we ain't going to pay him. Did not. We're not going to do this. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, Robert, you were yes, they are going to re-sign him? Uh, yeah, I still say yes, because if they fuck this up, <laughs> said, I'm going to be mad. He's a little less sure this time. I know. I'm be mad. <laughs> I just, you, you were a yes, but a please yes. Please yes. My please where yes. were you on the yes-no scale? Are they going to make it happen? Oh, you know where I'm at. I'm big shit changed. <laughs> well, I'm I still know. And we're just we're uh, just gonna say Joey is sticking with his yes. They're gonna pay. <laughs> we're gonna we'll leave Joey yes. We'll leave me a no. It's a two to two. Um, I don't know, man. It's one of those things where it's 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 what Rob was just talking about. They've gotten it, what it's showing is they've got priorities. They made it happen for Brandon Cooks. They made it happen for Todd Gurley. They made it happen for Alec Ogletree and traded him five months later. They made it happen for Tavon Austin. They made it happen. There are guys that they're willing to make it happen for. They weren't willing to make it happen for Trumaine Johnson. They weren't willing to make it happen for Janoris Jenkins. They're not willing to make it happen for Aaron Donald. I don't know why, but they're not. What were you going to say, Russ? Les, Les Snead, during his little you know, presser yesterday with, with McVay, said, you know, we, we've been working on this since April. So this just didn't happen. They've been, they've been trying to get this done with, with Gurley since April. So this has been the hopper. Uh, are they to the point where they're just, you know, all right, we can't get anywhere with AD. Let's start getting some of these other cats done. Is that what they're doing here? Or they're just two separate deals and we want no, to get them both done? No, we got I don't know. I mean, here's what I was trying to explain to someone at the site uh, in the comments. Um, oh, man, I got it. First off, let me just tell you, it is a headache trying to explain some stuff 
through the comment, comment, comment. We love you, TST commenters. Please continue to bring oh your confusing God. reactions to football on a daily basis. Love you. So I don't even remember who it was, but if you're listening, you're going to know exactly who you are. You're going to comment because you know I'm talking about you. But so one person said, uh, you, the, I think anyone would be crazy. Speaking about Le'Veon Bell, anyone would be crazy to pay a guy 26 years old uh, as much money as Gurley just got. And as I rebuttaled was, they just, the Rams just paid a 26-year-old that because the money doesn't kick in for two years. He's 24. He'll be 24 in two weeks, okay? The money doesn't kick in until he's 26. They just paid a 26-year-old, which they is what I don't more. think people are. People, people aren't realizing that that, that Le'Veon is 26, and they're saying, oh, he's too old to get it, but Gurley isn't. Well, Gurley's not getting it until he's 26, okay? We almost paid so Andrew Whitworth that much, and he's 10 years older than Todd Gurley. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, they literally are just doing it ahead of time, because which is smart, because as you as mentioned earlier, and I mentioned it to some guys, money. Like, if they did not do this now, they would have given Gurley the $80 million he told TMZ that he would. Yep. Fact. Yep. <laughs> it, it would have happened. And not only would he have gotten $80 million, over, $80 million overall, then he would, he probably would have gotten probably about $65 million guaranteed, $67 million. I don't care what you say. If you waited two years to get this deal done, it would have been that much more. However, because they did it now, it's not. And remind you, the salary cap isn't even set for two years from now. But you know it's going to go up because it always goes up. And it goes up about $12, $13, 14000000 million a year. So you're talking about having an extra almost $30 million possibly two years from now on your salary cap. Because the Rams did it now, you're, you're $30 million, if you give him a, a $27 million signing bonus, you've knocked out half of your contract just off the extra money that's going to come from the salary cap going up, and you're still going to have about $80, $90 million left. So because you can plan deals like that shows that if you want to get Aaron Donald done, you can because you can push the money around and you can make it to where the contract doesn't kick in to next year and sure. certain dollars kick in at a certain time. Sure. You can act, they just did it with, they they with Todd Gurley. <laughs> they just did it with Todd Gurley. So they can do this deal. They are just not wanting to do this deal is just that simple. Truman Johnson holding, all over again. They hold back the money on defense. And someone said, yeah. oh, well, what are they going to do with Marcus Peters? They didn't just trade for him for nothing. Uh, Yeah, yeah. they did. <laughs> They've done it before. <laughs> like, and, and that's why I say I'm just I'm more interested in anything to see what they offer Marcus Peters. Cause I just don't think it's going to be anything close to what he wants. I think they're going to make him they're, they're going to, you know, they've already picked up the, the fifth-year option. I think they're going to franchise tag him. They're going to pull the, the Tremaine Johnson treatment. And, of course, Marcus Peters is older than Gurley, so if yep, you franchise tag him and you keep pushing it back, he's going to be 28. And then you're like, oh, you're too old. They're going to play that yeah. same game, and it's, it's never any cycle on defense. Oh, here's something for you to chew on. Uh, Joe Curley from the Venturi, Ventura County Star Register dropped this on me. Uh, he said he found it interesting that they – got Todd Gurley paid after he started becoming public with his contract. Not, yeah. not don't pay me, don't pay me, but you know, hey, we'll see. I want, you know, so-and-so got 80 million. Todd Gurley's public. He's talking about money. It's out there. It's not demanding money. Silent. The conversation there and Aaron Donald, you don't hear a peep. All you get from Aaron Donald are workout videos with plastic knives. 
him in the dungeon lifting weights. Just it's like watching a Rocky training film when you see Aaron Donald come up. I want I hear the Rocky. Aaron Donald Donald is so Pittsburgh, man. Now I love the guy, but it's one of those things where I I guarantee there's a chance. There's a chance that like Todd Gurley is eating like you know uh, kale smoothies. And whey shakes and doing all these things. And I don't mean to like not in an insulting no, no. way, just like just like advanced nutrition and everything's measured down to like what did you have for lunch? I had one thousand three hundred twenty-two calories of one gram monosaturated to enhance my blood. Aaron Donald, what did you eat? Man, I had some cheese and beef. <laughs> like, he was eating, he was eating at the family restaurant in Pittsburgh, right? He's at the yeah. bar. All right. What'd you have? A steak and liver. See you at practice. <laughs> but you know that's that's a good point. You don't hear from Iron Donald. You don't so ever. I mean, about silence. Nothing. It's just not his thing. Uh, does that play a part of any of this at all? I mean, the Rams feel less pressure. And you know, and I do. Got, we'll just keep this going on. We just you know we'll just sweep it under the rug and just keep it down low. I do want their Instagram workouts to keep getting like that, like more and more exacerbated. Where like Todd Gurley is working out in space with like millions of dollars of equipment and Todd Gurley is working out in like, you know, some abandoned building, <laughs> just like it's, lifting old sofas and shit. Like, it's Rocky <laughs> Ford, right? You got yeah. hey, 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 hey. Don't, don't, don't the hood workout. They work. Not, got, not even a hood workout. Not even a hood workout, Myson. Just like a like a abandoned factory work. Like <laughs> <laughs> like just lifting assembly plants and shit. I just pictured Aaron Donald as an extra in the original Footloose in the background when he's dancing in the warehouse just yeah. working out. <laughs> he's back there bench the pressing. Like you got he's Kevin gone. Bacon dancing and Aaron Donald off in the distance working out. <laughs> Aaron Donald's Kevin got a and he's like doing shoulder Kevin shoulder. Bacon's dancing on a car and they're like, we need to move this car. Aaron Donald, I got it. Hold on. Aaron Donald carrying the car across the screen while he's dancing on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can see that. Oh, last, uh, last point I did have to make. Uh, Todd Gurley reset the market for running backs, right? You know what that makes him? Correct. That makes him a hero. You know what they, you know what they say about heroes, my son? Uh, a, a hero can be anyone. Even a, even a man doing something as simple reassuring as putting a contract around a young running back's shoulders. To let him know that the world hasn't ended. Uh, I am Mason. I think like we've been waiting for Mason for like all day. Drake can't preview. Wait to use that one all day. <laughs> I was researching. I had time. Um, we're doing the countdown to camp that I've been putting on the site. Uh, quick chance to do that because training camp starts tomorrow. Robo, I know you'll be there. I'll you know, be many there. Many other people from Tershaw, many of the Rams fans. It's gonna be fun. Training camp back. Uh, NFL Network's going to – they don't have anybody at Rams camp tomorrow, uh, but I'm sure they're going to have some people there over the week to come. Number five, my countdown to camp, was about Sean McVay. He's kind of been iced out as a narrative for this training camp. It's his second year, man. He's still – I mean, going into last year, there was a big narrative. Oh, this new guy, he's incredibly young. He's incredibly inexperienced. He's still incredibly young. He's still incredibly inexperienced. He's only coached one playoff game. He's only coached one regular season. What, what do you guys think about the challenge that Sean McVay has this year, how different it is this year from last year when he had to convince guys that they could win? This time he's got to pull people back from assuming they're already in the playoffs. What do you guys think about Sean McVay and his job this year for training camp 
I don't think I, I don't think he's been iced out. You know, I think the difference is this year because I mean it's not like the players was talking about him a bunch last year or anything like that. Sure. It was the media. I think the difference is this year is you're coming off a year where you just blew everyone away, and it it didn't seem fluky. It really seemed like no, this guy really knows what he's talking about. He know he knows what he's doing. You know, like. Everything said about him being the whiz kid. That's what coaches were saying in the coaching circles. Like, no, John McVay is this whiz kid. Like, he's he's different, you know. It all seemed to be true. And when you go out there and you perform the way that you do in your first year, I think that he was able to do something that not many can do, and that's shut up the critics in one year. Because most guys can just yeah. them to say, okay, well, they, if most guys can do what Jared Goff did. Jared Goff got the critics to say, okay, he's not that bad. Let's see how he does this year. There is no let's see how he does with Sean McVay. <laughs> it's like Aaron Donald in his rookie season. You didn't say, let's see how he do his next year. You're like, shit, that dude's good. Yeah. Sometimes you have a guy that's so good, you don't need to see another year. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, he's the real deal. And I think that's kind of what it is with um, Sean McVay is that he's recognized as the real deal. So people weren't talking about it. They know what they got in help. So they're focused more so on everything else. And I think this year, if anything – Sean McVay is like, okay, now I've shown what I could do, so I'm going to put a stranglehold on this, and I'm going to make sure that my offense is my offense for a long time. So I'm going to secure Todd Gurley. I'm going to secure Brandon Cook. You know, I'm going to lock up these positions and make sure that this offense stays together for a very long time. And I think that's what they're doing. They're getting guys in their prime that fits exactly what he wants, and they're going to keep them all together just because, you know, when you can play together for a while, that camaraderie and that chemistry goes to the next level. You tend the ball, especially if you keep the same system, which he will be there for. So you're talking about keeping the same system, keeping the same players all in their prime. The Rams have a very bright future, you know, on offense. Uh, it's the defense that we need to make sure that's keeping up with it. What do you think, uh, Rob? I agree, but, uh, you know, what do you hear from these guys, these new guys arriving at camp who weren't there for last year? What do you hear out of Brendan Cooks and, and anyone else, uh, Peters, Sue? All these guys are like, you know what? I'm going to press this out with this guy. He's, yeah. you know, they don't even talk about his age. It's like, you know what? You yeah. come in, he communicates, he's clear, he's driven, he's this, he's that. You don't hear about, man, I don't get this cat. Man, all you, heard, you hear from these new guys who weren't there doing this last year was how impressed they are with the man. Um, there was a really cool interview uh, about a week or maybe two ago up here on sports radio, uh, Johnny Hecker is from the Seattle area. He's, he has a high school quarterback up at uh, Bothell. And so the, the, he went on the Cliff Averill show, which was a good dynamic. If you remember yeah. him blindsiding Cliff Averill up here in Seattle in that, in that uh, like week 17 or 16 game. And then right. Bennett kind of turned on him, whatever. So the, Cliff Averill is now retired. He has a like, half hour show on the radio. And so they had Hecker come in and it was a really cool interview. And they just kind of chopped it up a bit. But then they started asking more about the Rams and kind of dove in on the second half of the, of the show about, you know, what's going on with the Rams and this, that, and, and, and McVay. And uh, they asked him what the difference was between Jeff Fisher and Sean McVay other than the obvious. You know, one's your bumbling grandfather, another one's a bright young coach. And he said, you know, the first thing we noticed right away is uh, all the guys in the locker room like, what the hell is going to go on with this guy? He's a young dude. Let's see how this goes. And he commanded respect right off the bat. And the biggest change between the two was his communication. It was clear from day one what was going to happen and how it was going to go, and he stuck to his message, whereas it was not that way with Jeff Fisher. He said, you know, one hand wasn't talking to the other hand, and, and this one was doing this, and this side was doing this. And he's like, you know, that is not the case. It's Sean McVay's team. They're, 
there's uh, the defense, the special teams, and the offense, but it is all under Sean McVay's direction. And he has a hand in everything. He knows everyone's job. He knows everyone's plays. Uh, he spends most of his time with an offense, but he is he is in charge and he he commands the respect of that locker room because he does it that way. It's pretty interesting for that young of a guy to just come in and completely take over an entire organization the way he's done it. It's 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 pretty 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 special. And pretty much ate the test at least to this point, and that's what he's done. I mean, I don't think I I, I haven't seen anybody outside of Mike Martz last year, but since then I haven't seen anybody say a single. Uh, negative thing, critical thing about Sean McVay. I don't know why you would have one. He's done a phenomenal job. Absolutely excited uh, to have him aboard. It, it, the, the, the problem that he has is he's so good, kind of what Myson was alluding to, was that he was so good so fast, it just pushes the bar almost unfairly against him so high, right? Where this is a guy that came in, turned around the franchise, everything's going good, didn't win a playoff game, but okay. You know, you got challenges in front of you. You can continue to grow the team. If that, it, it, it's a, a sucky hypothetical to have to try to. And yes, I said sucky, sucky. It's a sucky hypothetical to have to consider. But how how long will the Rams abide? How long will McVay abide by? Uh, you know, not progressing in the playoffs and not growing on last year's success. I think that's what's interesting. We we know that he's good enough to take more out of the opportunity. It's just a matter of when it happens and, and how we get there. Uh, what I don't know was my countdown to camp number four. I had mouths to feed just the idea of what we saw last year, where you had Cooper Cup had a good year. Robert Woods had a good year. Sammy Watkins had a good year, albeit not as good as many people. And obviously in terms of receiving yards, certainly not the kind of production you would have wanted out of your wide receiver number one. Todd Gurley had an exceptional year. The tight ends didn't necessarily have a great year, but when you couple that with the offensive line and quarterback, the Rams offense was phenomenal. But it's almost as if, outside of maybe Gurley, you can't really have a number one guy to go to. And what does that mean now with Brandon Cooks coming on board, with Cooper Cup going into his second year, with Gerald Everett going into his second year? How do you get all of this talent enough opportunity to succeed other than just saying you can't? You can't that there's not enough opportunity. If you're going to get Gerald Everett involved in this offense in a much more significant way, Somebody's got to get pulled back. It feels like that's the case, if only because you've got so much talent. I don't know how you get everybody involved in the same team. One thing to notice about that whole mouse to feed thing, I think the most important part of that is that they paid Brandon Cooks, so he's not worried about his numbers for his contract, right? Sammy Watkins is right. a free agent. He was, he was vocal about it, but you could see he was not happy with some when he was uh, you know, last year. His, yeah, when he was shut out of a game, whatever. When Robert yeah. Woods is hurt. He's supposed to step right. up and then go to Cooper Cup. So Cooks is paid. He got his money. He doesn't have to have the stats to back it up to earn that next check right away. Yeah. So perhaps that will even help grease the skids of you want, you want all your guys to want the ball, right? But uh, them playing into more of the team aspect, like Mysa mentioned last week, don't change a damn thing because it makes it harder sure. for you to game plan for the Rams. Uh, so hopefully they continue along with that. They don't have to feed some one guy who's looking to get paid and be bitching about it. Gurley is paid already. Cooks is paid. Woods is paid. Cups is a rookie. Higby uh, isn't going to be that guy. Gerald Everts is young. Uh, you know, Jay Ray, who might come on this year. All those guys are young, Maybe. so they're not looking to get paid right now. Uh, I think that just feeds right into what they're doing. Spread it around. Keep keep everyone guessing and, and unable to game plan for you, and uh, and just attack the hell out of the defense with anyone, anytime. 
it, I think it fits perfectly into what they want to do. Paying these guys yeah. now, you're not having to worry about people bitching about their numbers. I think it, it works perfectly for what they want to do. Now, sure, it's, do it. it's interesting, and obviously in you know 21st century, you're always dealing with the fantasy football contingent. We're constantly getting peppered with that at a managerial level where people are asking me, okay, I need this for fantasy, for, for SB Nation. I need this input. I need to know this, this kind of stuff. But I see it in comments, too, where people are talking about, oh, Brandon Cooks, he's a 1,000-yard receiver. Just wait till he gets to the Rams. Oh, Robert Woods, look at what he did last year. He'll be a 1,000-yard receiver. Cooper Cup, he was our leading receiver. He's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver. Oh, Todd Gurley, that was just year one with McVay. Look at what he'll do. Oh, Gerald Everett, he's going to explode. You can't have everybody. Not everybody is going to be able to get more in 2018 than they were in 2007. Facts. <laughs> and I don't think people – I think people have a hard time understanding, oh, you know, they, like you said, they got Brandon Cooks. Now look what's going to – yeah, if anything, somebody's stats is gonna drop. <laughs> Somebody know? has to. I, 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 I'm, I'm still of the mindset that the Rams do not have a 1,000 yard receiver uh, yeah. after this season. And that's um, not a bad thing. I, it's not a bad thing, you know. I'm so. What if you have three 800 receivers? I'm so sick and tired of this, this narrative as far as number one receiver. You know, that it's just it's so right. played out and. I feel like I've been saying this for years. I've been saying this at least since the Rams drafted Tavon Austin that you don't necessarily need a number one receiver. And even if you have one, you don't. He doesn't have to look a certain way. You know, you can find examples all over the place. Right now, the best receiver in the league, and probably when he retires, is going to finish as a top three or four receiver ever. Is going to be, you know, and he doesn't look like what you what they tell you a number one receiver is going to look like. But at the same time, he's also in an offense where. Yes, he is without question the number one receiver, but the ball is spread around a lot. <laughs> the ball is all over the place, you know, and it's just that they they throw the ball so much, they sling that thing, and his yak ability really helps. But that's kind of what the uh, NFL has moved towards over the last 10 or 15 years, especially with the Patriots. I think a lot of people have tried to mimic what the Patriots do because – Teams weren't throwing to the slot like that before. <laughs> it wasn't until Wes Welker with the Patriots turned the slot into a, a freaking monster <laughs> that, that people was like, oh, wow, we can use the slot like that? Who knew? <laughs> and then once you got the slot involved to that degree, suddenly you're spreading the ball all around. Now running backs are catching passes out the backfield more often, and the ball is just getting spread around. And I think that, that that's just kind of what you need now. You know, you don't need a, 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 a thousand yard receiver or anything like that. If you can have yourself three eight hundred yard receivers, you're probably sitting pretty pretty. <laughs> you're, you're 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 doing pretty good. You know, so I think that's kind of what the Rams are going to be looking at. I wouldn't be shocked to see three eight hundred yard receivers. Uh, if it's two eight hundred yard receivers and a seven fifty and a seven hundred, that wouldn't shock me either. Like I think that's kind of what you're staring at. I think more than the yards. Um, should be the touchdowns that people were talking about with the touchdown number going be. up total. Yeah. You know, and I think it could. I, think, I definitely think it could because there was some touchdowns missed last year as Jerry Goff was still learning and growing into the, the a better quarterback. And uh, if he continues to improve, you should definitely see that touchdown number go up. And 28 isn't a bad number. But if Jerry Goff throws for 35, 40 touchdowns, you're talking about a – you're talking about a, a huge difference just overall in the entire receiving unit. So I, I, I don't think there's a 1,000-yard receiver on this roster. 
who steps up and fills the red zone void that was left by Sammy Watkins? Because you say what you want, he okay. was until the uh, Falcons game. He was he was pretty good. No, no look, 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 I hate that Sammy Watkins was not a fucking red zone monster. Oh my god, they ran this bullshit ass, weak ass slant route, and the only yep. the only reason it worked is because of Todd Gurley. So you can run it with anybody. <laughs> it had nothing to do with Sammy Watkins. It was literally. It's it's a it's a RPO, okay? It's a run pass option. He either is gonna hand it off to Todd Gurley on the dive where he reads it off the end, he can keep it himself, and he actually kept him kept it himself, I think, against the Cardinals and he, he actually ran it in. <laughs> yeah, you know, he got whacked, but he got in. It's the same play every time and the reason it works is because of Todd Gurley. It didn't matter who was out there and it still won't matter who's out there. It wasn't Sammy Watkins just going out there and just jumping over Cat killing it because I'm pretty sure he dropped the very same pass against the Falcons. The playoff, yeah, whatever. So it's like he's not it wasn't it wasn't Sammy Watkins. He wasn't some red zone monster. He only caught five of them, you know, so it's like I think that there, I think he's, people give Sammy Watkins too much credit when it comes to the red zone passing attack or he needs to be replaced. That's not the case. As long as your running game is still working, you can still run that RPO. It's a quick RPO and they run it from both under center and the gun. It's the same exact play. <laughs> so, I think no, I, I don't want to give him too much. I'm going to defend it because I was one of those guys. We're so used to watching Brian Quick in the red zone. We actually saw a guy who, you know, score from the, inside the five from the wideout position. So, you know, actually, monster. Brian, Brian, it was a Brian monster. Quick would actually go up for the ball. <laughs> you Brian know, Quick just, uh... would go up for the ball, but he'd miss time his goddamn jump every fucking week. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, although Brian Quick – up until he got hurt in San Diego that one year, he was starting to come around a little bit. But after that, forget it. Brian Quick. I'll say so one young thing. Gerald. Young Gerald. One I'll thing. Go. Anagram for Gerald Everett's name, Reveled Target. I'm just leaving that out. I believe in the power of the anagram. Reveled Target, what? Gerald Everett. Now, it's a, don't, a, these are letters. You, you, you move the letters around. You reveal <laughs> other things. That's math. That's science, Mison. I went to high school. Okay? I will also say this. You rearrange his letters. It also means greeted travel. So maybe he needs to work at a country inn in Sweets. There is a different future uh, in the world. But that's my guy for the rental this year. I really like young girls. Next thing uh, on my countdown to camp number three was the defense, where for years – partly because of personnel, but partly because of previous coaching staffs. Our offense absolutely sucked donkey balls. But we also had a really good defense, and people really looked at this defense, not just to carry the team, but to be one of the NFL's better defenses. And it never really translated into a top, top, top unit. Well, now they've kind of been, you know, leapfrogged by the offense, where we're looking at this team maybe and asking, is the defense going to be the issue that holds us back? Um, and I, I don't know that it's not. It's going to be up to Wade Phillips to figure out how to make it happen, especially in this year when you add Ndamukong Sue and Marcus Peters to keep the lead uh, to the defense to make sure that that doesn't happen with all that name recognition. But if the offense really beats out the way a lot of people think, I, I, maybe we're all in agreement that it should, yet again, it's one of those things where the defense needs to hold its own weight. That As good as it was last year at times, and it was good, Michael, we talked a ton about the lack of a pass rush with consistency. They finished 12th in points allowed and 19th in yards allowed. It wasn't a it wasn't a great defense. It was a, it was an okay defense, good at times. It certainly wasn't a dominant defense. It wasn't one of the top tier defenses. 
And I don't know that it needs to be as you've got a top-tier offense, which might be what we get. But I, I do wonder, and my son, I think you might need to bounce. So I'll let you get this first, and then we'll holler at you next week. Um, the defense do this year to kind of lift the billing. So with the defense, I'm going to say this. Uh, I believe that the defense is going to be a lot better this year. And it's not because of the all the accusation or the uh, – uh, not the accusation, but all the additions that they've made or anything like that. I think that it has more to do with the players that's returning. You know, having those guys come back that second year in the Wade Phillips system, because if you understand systems, and I think a lot of times people just say, oh, it's his second year. That doesn't really mean much. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, the system matters a lot. Wade, Wade, Wade Phillips system is a Rome sort of system where he gives you a lot of free lens ability, um, especially to certain players that's really good. You know, LaMarcus Jordan had a lot of free lens ability. So did Aaron Donald. Like, it's not always do it this way with certain players. But freelancing isn't always the easiest thing, um, especially if, you, if, it's, uh, if you're not used to doing it. You know, if, there, if you, you have to build that comfort to understand what's going on around you to be able to successfully freelance and make plays happen. When you get into year two of doing that around the same guys, you start to get a little more comfortable. You start to figure out, okay, I know that he's going to do this. I bet if I do this, I probably could cut this guy off here. Or if I loop around here, I'm probably going to catch the the back in this hole or I'll see the quarterback slipping out this way or the quarterback likes to throw it here. I know that the corner likes to jump here, so maybe I should play over the top and just cheat a little bit to the hash just in case. You know, so those all those things start to make a lot more sense to you. And I think guys like Lamarcus Jordan, John Johnson, uh, uh, Marcus Peters, I almost said Mark, I almost said Mark Ingram, <laughs> I almost said Mark Ingram, Mark Barry, <laughs> you know, and then uh, Brockers and Donald. I think those guys are really, 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 really going to excel this year. Just going to see vast improvement, which is scary that I even mentioned Aaron Donald in that list and then followed it with improve. But I really think Aaron Donald can even improve uh, just on another year. So I, I do think the defense will be better. I think that we'll see better run defense. Not so that it's going to be where everyone might want it to be. I'm also not sold that the pass defense is going to be what people think it's going to be. Uh, I don't think I'm thinking there's very lofty expectations for pass defense, but people get caught up in the wrong numbers. You know, they look at they look at Marcus Peters and say, "Oh man, look at the interception." I look at Marcus Peters and I say, "Okay, what's happening when he's not intercepting the ball?" <laughs> you know, uh, you can you can intercept a lot of passes, but are you really locking down the side of the field? A key to leave, I'm not worried about. Akeem Tlaib is legit. He will lock a receiver down. Now, he'll make the occasional mistake because he gets in his feelings, he gets aggressive, whatever. But he, he can lock your guy up because he's so physical and all that. Marcus Peters isn't the most physical. I'm not saying that he won't hit you or anything like that, but he's not taking you off the line of scrimmage or anything like that. So, I'm not convinced that the pass defense is going to be as good as people think, but I do think the run defense will be much, much better. Is Marcus Peters better than Kayvon Webster? Oh, don't give me oh, that, oh, man. Okay, Mason's got to go. Mason's got to go. We'll see you next. I'll let you, boy. All right, I'm going I'm to holler at y'all next week. Y'all got to be here. All right. Later. That was rude, Rob. That was rude. Uh, I, I knew he loved him, so I had to give him that parting shot. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what he says. I agree with what he says and, and, and that uh, comfort for the guys who were there last year, understanding – 
when they can freelance and when they can't and just getting more comfortable with what Wade expects from them. Um, I agree with all that. And, but I also think that plays into the strength. You know, he's just talking about what Mark is doing. I'm not sure he's a lockdown guy, like he said, but he's pretty damn good. But what makes him good is, is his ability to jump and gamble and, and Wade's going to let him do that. And, and uh, you know, having a guy like Akiba there who knows the system so well is only going to help him understand when, when, you're allowed to take those risks and when you want art. That's part of the framework of the defense. So it should be interesting. Yeah, the other thing is I trust this coaching staff more. Um, I mean, they've and for good reason, they've earned it. Um, where yeah, I'm not trying to discredit previous coaching staffs prior to McVeigh and Phillips' arrival, but I like this coaching staff. And I did, as, I did as soon as we started putting it together that it made sense. And I like where we were heading. And they made things happen, even without – the consistency of a pass rush, but that's kind of what it gets down to is even without the consistency of a pass rush, they were able to construct a pretty good defense, not a great one, but a pretty good one that was able to put together some really good performances and uh, allow the offense to keep them in games. And as you know, we, we've had to make some investments in the offense the last two years because it was so bad. And, and we've done that for good reason and to, to good end, and, you know, over the next couple of years, when we put some investments back into the defense and as we, well, let me rephrase. I was about to say, as we quit trading top picks for players, I don't know that that's going to fit. Maybe that's something we're just going to do. Oh, they had to. Yeah, at some point, we got to start drafting defense again and drafting them early on in drafts. And as soon as we do that, uh, you know, how exciting would it be to give Wade Phillips a early draft edge rusher? Like, uh, I don't have any problem with that. I'd be, I'd be you know, Bob Miller. You know, something like that. We've got a first-round pick next year at this point, so I, I don't really worry about the trajectory of it. I just worry if we've given him the pieces he needs to make the most out of it, and, and, and I don't think that's necessarily what he needs to do in 2018. If we've got a great offense, you don't need to have a great defense. You just need to have a good have enough. A good defense, yeah. Yeah, a good defense. I agree. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where we're set up really well. I'll leave the last two uh, countdowns to camp. We can talk about them next week when Joey and Mason are back. My number two – was about Jared Goff, and here's the free the free spoiler for listeners of the podcast who happen to be listening live if we get there tomorrow. My number one overall countdown to camp, I've talked about it before, the number one narrative around this team, which will be the narrative for camp, is that we're talking about this team as a potential Super Bowl caliber team, and that is going to infect camp, right? When, Where When's the last time we had that? 1999, right? Or just after, exactly. It's been a long, long time. Yeah, we, we, we haven't We haven't had a training camp where you could go to camp and think this was legitimately. There, were, there are always people who went to camp and thought, yeah, no, we can totally be a Super Bowl caliber team. We got Taylor Austin and Brian Quick and Jason Smith. There's no reason we can't. I get it. There's always fans that always come from that you can, you can have a completely impartial observer look at this team and say, yeah, this is a this could be a Super Bowl caliber team if they put things together appropriately, if they stay healthy and they get the results. There's no reason why this team can't beat every other team in the NFL. This is the first training camp we've had like this in 15 years, and that's unique. <laughs> that's pretty damn special. And that's, that's part. You're going to be there tomorrow, to and it's going to it's gonna be interesting to watch. Last time I was there, I didn't go last year because uh, right. I was I was planning to go to a couple of games, so I didn't just spend spend my flight miles to go to camp. 
but I went year one with Jeff Fisher, and I, you know, I talked to a lot of people and just got took temperature. That's the best part sure. of camp. I mean, you're not really gonna find anything hidden gem at the camp. At camp, you might hang out with fans, out, whatever, right? But hang out with fans and talking with people who were all excited as you are and about the changes and this and that. And so year one, it was about the Rams are back. Everyone was loving it. It was they didn't care at that point about expectations. All we just had the team back. We were happy. We're good. You know, our house, that was, that was great. Uh, last year, if I, you would go to camp, how, what were your expectations there? I wish I would have gone because you got the young coach. I mean, yeah, they were four and 12, who knows this year. I am looking forward to just talking to fellow Rams fans and hanging out for a couple hours. Uh, I'm going to get there early gates open uh, hour and a half before uh, the show, so that's three. So that's like one, what one thirty. I'm looking forward to just going, hanging out, talking to people, and just chilling with other Rams fans, and just taking the temperature and just kind of finding out what their expectations are. So I'll be able to to uh, share some of that stuff next week when we, we pop back on the pod. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Um, I did I did have one other topic. I'll, I'll leave it as a preview for listeners, but I want to make sure we get Mike and Julie involved in this. And this is something we can talk about throughout the preseason anyway. It's not specific to trading campus. What, what is going to be a satisfactory 2018? And I, I don't have an answer to this, which is why I want to talk about it, and I need to put it on the site and get some, some feedback from people in our lovely comments, in our you know, Twitter feed, and in our Instagram and Facebook, obviously, on Reddit. I'll have Reddit, man. Reddit. Love our, yep. love our feedback. Reddit. Love Reddit. TSTers is getting a sense of what is going to be satisfactory. We know, we know last year, as satisfactory as it was last year, will not be satisfactory this year. You can't, you can't go 11 and five and lose in the first game in the playoffs. That's not going to work this year, and it's not going to be the kind. It's not going to generate the kind of reaction for fans that it did a year ago. What I, what I don't know is where the threshold is. Is it? Is it just winning one playoff game? It's going to come down to the postseason. We know that. Is it just going to be winning a playoff game? Is it going to be getting to the NFC Championship? Do the Rams have to get to the Super Bowl just to make this a satisfactory uh, season? I, I don't know. Do you have a sense as we go into training camp what the Rams have to do to satisfy the majority of people? Yeah, I, I don't I, like you. I don't really have my expectations set right now. Um, I kind of have an idea where I think they should be, but there's a lot of good football teams at NFC this year, just like there were last year. Uh, it's it's going to be a dogfight. So let's see how this thing shakes out. There's always a surprise team, uh, someone there like the Rams last year who overachieve and, and do something you didn't expect them to. And there's always a couple of teams who fall on their face, injuries, whatever. So we'll see what happens. I don't really have have that for myself, but. As far as fans go, we're we're both pretty active on on social. We we take the temperature there, and uh, you know Pete Prisco dropped his dropped his uh, his season prediction right, and he had the Rams losing in the first round again this year, and you know we we write up the wrap up and put it out, and the comments were not happy with that. That ain't gonna right. cut it. <laughs> that just not that is that is a failure across the board. Yeah. Uh, fire McVeigh almost kind of reaction to those things. Well, first it was Pete Prisco sucks. His you know, pulling head out of the back, that kind of thing. Fire but Prisco, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But if that happens, oh, oh boy, it's not it's not gonna be pretty, right? We will find uh we will find how quickly the head can turn. Uh so yeah, I think I think right now Rams fans were going into the after the Falcons lost, we were at that game. We were disappointed like everybody, but it was like, All right, you know what? We've we've come out of the darkness. We're here. I'm not happy they lost, but 
it was a good thing they got here. We did it. Now let's move it forward. And I, I think most Rams fans, after that loss, after you get over the fact that they lost, we're like, all right, we've turned the corner. Now let's start building this thing. And then they started making moves and more moves and more moves and even more moves. And they they ratcheted that bar up way to the top. And they did to themselves, which is great because they're finally going for it. But expectation, I think that falls back onto the you know the first bullet point we talked about, Sean McVay. How is he going to handle expectations? And uh, I think they got the right guy for it because he expects – no one expects more in a Sean McVay than Sean McVay, right? He, that man eats, breathes, lives football, and expects everything to be perfect. And if it's not, he's not happy. Uh, so I think they got the right guy to do this, but yeah. uh, we'll see. I, I think expectations are through the roof. So uh, we'll see what the boys say next week when we we kind of have a week of uh, camp and news and all this other stuff going out right before their first game. And figure out what the hell's up with Lamarcus Joyner, who's on the non-football injury list. Yeah, we got we got a couple of things to figure out once camp gets started. Get a couple of practices, see who's injured, figure out what we're doing, figure out where the season's going. But it's going to be fun as hell, like you mentioned. Um, so get at us. Uh, let's wrap this up. In absentia, Julie O'Coin, final congratulations to the man. Uh, he's with child now, second child. I will be with. Well, let, technically, I will be with a new home. Uh, next week by the time oh, we record it? this. I'm, I may moving not weekend? be able to do what? Is it moving weekend? It's moving weekend. Isn't hey, it great? make sure you take care of Izzy's snacks. Get your daughter her snacks set. <laughs> uh, inside joke, uh, Robbo's referring to the fact that the only issue my daughter had with our potential new home was that the cupboard that made the most sense to hide her snacks was right across from the oven and she was worried that because I cooked too much, I was going to be in the way of her candy. Great concern for the floor plan. I will say this. You, you can probably guess my number one issue. We're going to be buying a home. In, uh, my number one demand for the home. I have to be able to see the football game from the kitchen. Yeah. That was something in the last, the last two places we've lived in. Uh, it just, the floor plan didn't work like that. I had to cook. And when, when the ball would get set to get snapped, I'd have to come out of the kitchen and look at the play and then go back to kick it. That's not going to happen. This is not going to happen. I've worked too damn hard my whole life. It is time for me to make animal parts and watch football at the same time. It's got to happen, Bravo. That's, uh, I'm in the same boat in this house. And uh, if Gilbert, Arizona happens, I'm going to be doing the same thing. I want to see the, I want to see the kitchen and the TV in the same space. No walls. Um, training camp happens tomorrow. We're gonna we're gonna cover it. Robbo's gonna be there. I'll be there. Man. Follow it like Twitter. I don't know how much I'll be tweeting while I'm at it because I'll be talking, but I'll be before I'll have some time in the airport afterwards. Uh, we will talk Rams football. Professor's the gonna be there tomorrow. The prof. He'll be there all weekend. Charlie Hill will be there. Eddie and will be there. We made it, man. Training camp football. Go Rams. Rams.
here, I'm a puppet eyed man. If Eric can't get it, I will and I can't. I'm strong as it comes, but I've got a brain. And stopping me is like stopping a train. I'm Carl Lee, the general of the D. I make the calls, I'm the coaching LB. This motorcycle, this has got style and class. If you come my way, I'll knock you on your ass. your name's intimidated. I pass it my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my team, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The ice man coming, the roar is the name. I cover the corner, interception's my game. Score more than anybody else on the D, cause I move like a cat as you will see. The guys call me Dick instead of Dick's son. I lead the Rangers, I'm the Ram top gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be. Even sweetness and the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun. When it comes to ladies, you want a brainy one. But enough about me, we hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night. Sometimes the truth isn't good enough. Sometimes Tough Gurley deserves more. Sometimes Aaron Donald deserves to have his football rewarded. I am Bat Mice. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.